Well, hi everybody and welcome to um, another My Favourite Ipswich Town 11 with myself, Mike Bacon. Um, well, they're proved very popular. Lots and lots of people um, are, are talking about this and, and I keep stopping, well, stopping even some of my of the people who've come on here in the street and asked them why they didn't put him in and didn't put that that player in or this player in and I was even down the pub the other day and somebody said your team you didn't put you didn't put Arnold Muir in I said well I can't fit everybody in it's just oh but these look these are your favourite Ipswich Town 11s not your best 11s that we keep saying but I mean I think everyone's getting the idea now and I'm glad you're enjoying them it's good stuff lots of good people coming up and we go well what a guest we have today what a I'm He's, well, he's sort of a celebrity, really. I mean, he'll he'll say he's not a celebrity, but I mean, he, he does other things on on the Blue Monday podcast. Big town fan for many many years. Um, two little kids at home. Apparently, he was telling me as well who keep him busy. But um, yes, um, I remember those days. Um, uh, Joe as well. They are, they are hectic times. But anyway, look, my guest today, and to give you his favourite town eleven is Joe Fairs. Joe, big Ipswich Town fan, and uh, well, he's st- well, if you're watching this on YouTube, he's got his very retro Ipswich Town shirt, which is very posh, and a couple in the back background as well um joe how are you i'm good i've sort of come in we are we are recording this mid heat wave on on the friday so it's nice to have a little break into the office although sort of coming home from work and being chased around and being told to pump up things and do this and set this up and set that has sort of left me sort of sweating already but hopefully over the next 45 minutes i'll cool down while recording Yes, by the time you get to see this, if you remember the Friday a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, whenever it was, whenever this goes out, the, the very hot day when it was about 150 degrees and we we're all melting. Um, well, I decided to tell Joe that'd be a lovely day to sit in a, a nice warm computer a room in a, with a computer on and do this, uh, do this, uh, do this little feature. So uh, we are all a bit hot. I've got my speedos on under here, but you don't really want to know that, so I won't. I won't. I'll just I'll just keep up from my head upwards. But anyway, hey Joe, lovely to speak to you. And um, right. Tell us about your bit, your Ipswich Town story. Where, where, when, and how, and all the rest of it. Well, my um, my first game was sort of over the Christmas period in the promotion season, ninety one, ninety two. I was six, and I remember getting a ticket for Christmas, and I was amazed that my uncle had got a ticket as well, and it was by chance right next to me. That was that was seen as quite a big surprise then. And we beat Blackburn two one that day, which I think is quite a pivotal match in the season. Looking back, and then from then on, I was hooked really, and I sort of have barely missed a game well at Portman Road since then. I think the only season I didn't really go was 94-95, which was obviously a nightmare season where my uncle had just had a kid. So I needed to work out somebody else to take me. And I ended up just going after that with like my dad's friends and then my dad and there. But no, it's just been a lifelong obsession really now. <laughs> lifelong obsession. That is how it gets, isn't it? it is, I mean, I, I, the more people I speak to about this, the rose how, really, how it really does sort of really hits home Ipswich Town Football Club becomes very part of you. Well, it can, can't it? Ruins your Saturday, can't it, Joe? Mm. It used to ruin my whole weekend. I remember my mum would always say that I'd almost be sick if Ipswich lost, like physically sick. I'd be at home, mm-hmm. sort of so upset that we'd lo- lost the game. So it was lucky I wasn't going in 94, 95, or I would have maybe ended up sort of malnourished and on a hospital ward. The amount of sick I'd have had to be that <laughs> season with some of the defeats we took. But no, it's sort of, it's sort of been ups and downs following it. and But I haven't really ever pulled back from it at all in the sort of last 30 years now but you're right it is um and of course well you obviously enjoyed the um you obviously enjoyed the uh big premiership uh cap push into the playoffs into the premiership Wembley did you have all that business in 2000 yeah that's probably the greatest sort of memories of town and if I was to pick my best 11 you'd probably be picking the team from that George Burley era because that has been the best team I've seen in my lifetime and just the right manager the right players the way the squad was built but I'm I've sort of got good faith I think Kieran McKenna is from that same school of Ipswich managers as George Burley was the the right the right sort of manager he's felt a great fit from the start so hopefully we're at the sort of the trough now and there'll be another peak like that that we had under George Burley soon feels a bit different doesn't it Joe with McKenna I don't know I don't can't come in you talk to somebody who sort of goes back to the Bobby Robson era but and said lots of managers but I mean it just feels a bit different Kieran McKenna doesn't he do do you think I don't know what it is yeah I don't know whether it's just his age or his philosophy or whatever it is he he feels the right fit for the club doesn't he and I, I like I know sort of Mick McCarthy did a really good job here but he never felt an Ipswich manager did he in the same way that George Burley did and I'm sure Bobby Robson did in his day but even like a John Lyle or a Joe Royal, who also came and did well, they were sort of an elder statesman come in to sort of guide the ship, waiting for the next guy to come in, really. But it's just taken so long for the next guy to come in. But it does really feel like we've got him now and we just need to make sure we can get out of this division as quickly as possible so that the sort of pressure is off him and allows him to spend some time building the team, but in the second tier rather than the third. 
Mm, absolutely. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. We're all looking forward to the season ahead. I mean, it sounds like, um, now, what do you think of the new kit then? I mean, obviously you're a kit man. I can see two shirts in the background there. Now, if you're only listening to this, obviously you can't see them. So don't sort of just, who are they? Who are the two shirts in the background, uh, Joe? The two I've got might be a clue to two players that I've put into my favourite 11. So I've ah. pulled those up there. So I, they're sort of rotating shirts so I can pick them up and drop in who I need so they're sort of selected don't give, it, don't give it away then don't give it away because I can't yeah. quite see it actually so I can't I can't quite see it. anyway look that's by the by let's crack on hey Joe look for now now as you know I sometimes ask for formation because Ross Halls has to do a little graphic for this um which is it's going to be very interesting when he does Rob Chandler's because Rob only put two defenders in and six attackers but I mean I'll leave that to that's some that's Ross's problem have what for have what sort of formation have you gone for Joe or have you not have you not really I have. I've gone for a three-five-two formation. Yes. I, I struggled to find wingers really. Sort of, there's sort of players like Martin Royce who we could play in that wide role, but we haven't really had any proper wingers really in the last mm. in the time I've been going. Sort of someone like a Bobby Petter, maybe you could put there. But it's it really is. We've had some good centre half, some good, mm. some really good strikers and central midfielders. It seems through the sort of centre of the team is where we've had our best players. So it helped me do that. But it's, yeah, it's a three-five-two. Exactly. Although there's, see, there's is, still one I'm divided on, which might be a three-two-one two, or three-four-one-two, but no, Joe, Joe, don't don't start confusing me with numbers and formations. <laughs> I'm all like, don't don't start three-four-six-one or whatever eight-seven-four-six. I I can hardly remember pin number, let alone try <laughs> to start remember all that sort of stuff. But anyway, hey, look, Joe, go on then. Right, crack on then with the goalkeeper, uh, Joe. And uh, well, who's your man? Um, Richard Wright is the keeper. I think I'm sure he's a popular choice amongst people of my age, but it's sort of it was a bit of sort of a debate over him and Craig Forrest and Bartosz Bielkowski. There have been some, we have had some good keeps over the time, but sort of Richard Wright's so dependable. I remember him sort of making his debut in the Premier League at, what, 17 years old. And a, f a few weeks after that, I actually went to Butlins and or Pontins for a football camp. And it was one that my parents couldn't really afford to send me on. And I badgered them to go on it. And I went with my cousin and my uncle and they took me away. And um I sort of got to the start of the football camp and I noticed Richard Wright was going to be coaching the goalkeepers on the camp. So I decided for the week to do goalkeeper training for the whole week. <laughs> despite being a, I was a hopeless goalkeeper when I, or I was, maybe I was an absolutely hopeless goalkeeper when I started and a, just a hopeless goalkeeper by the end. But I did get to spend two days training with Richard Wright. But when, when I got home, my parents were not impressed that I'd sort of squandered my football coaching opportunity to do some goalkeeping coaching. I'm sure anyone who's seen me play since will wonder where it all went. But no, just... Uh, a great goalkeeper, represented England when at the club, which is a huge thing as well. The playoff final, the penalty save in that, the first year of the Premier League, he was just a superb keeper. And it's just a, a real shame he left us. Because even when he came back, he was really good for us. Both times he came back, I thought, well, sort of in that first season when he came back there. But it's just a, just a great goalkeeper and sort of a real what could have been career for him. And sort of a shame that it didn't end how it should have done. It's strange, really, wasn't it? Because when he went off to Arsenal, you know, sort of big high hopes, and uh, never, it never really for Ipswich, he was excellent, and and you always had to have, you know, you had to make that move. Probably you had to go, had to move on. It didn't really happen, Arsenal. Then at Everton, I so he was so unlucky because he mm. he got in, and then and then was it Neville Southall? I think it might be Nigel Neville. Martin, wasn't it? Played Nigel well, Martin, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Nigel Martin sort of got his place back, but but yeah, you're right. He's a local lad, of course, Joe, which was which was why we we loved him so much, I suppose. Yeah, and also I'm a big sort of big fan of the academy and you'll see that run through the team that I've picked today because I've always enjoyed watching the sort of under 18s, the under 23s and I don't know, you just, as an Ipswich boy myself, you do just have such an affiliation with those that come through the club's academy and I think there hasn't been a great Ipswich team without players that have come through the academy. They've, they've really run through the centre of sort of the teams we've had so that's sort of a big, a big plus in his column as well. And did you see him run out with Manchester City recently when they won the Premier League. He's still he's still a goalkeeper. Yeah. They're still picking up his Premier League. I don't think he had a medal or not. I, I, they, they seem to have about 70 medals to hand out, so I'm sure he did get one. But no, he's a, he's obviously a very good goalkeeping coach because I, I can't imagine that Pep Guardiola and that Man City structure would have you around if you weren't adding real value to it. And I know Joe Hart's spoken about him as a coach previously. And it's, I don't know, he's obviously having a great career. I, I don't think we'll ever be able to afford to bring him back here, though. With, I'd imagine the wages are quite high, even for their coaching staff up there. Oh, you don't know. You don't know. Kieran McKenna keeps putting a little one's hat, a little, little rab out of the hat. You never know. I might get Richard Wright back here as a goalkeeping coach or whatever. But anyway, look, Richard Wright's your goalie then, Joe. Good start. Good start. Now, now, what's this at the back? Where, where okay. are we going? Okay, so on the left of the back three, I've got Mark Venus. I think he's a real underrated player in the Ipswich team that we had under under George Burley. When I am um, a couple of years back, we did a twentieth twentieth year celebration of the 
playoff final and, and watched the whole game back. I hadn't watched it back. And just he is a real modern centre-half. The way he could pass the ball from the back, how he could take the ball under pressure, playing it straight into the striker's feet. And obviously the set pieces he could take with that hammer of a left foot as well. I remember a few goals he scored there. But he, I, I, I don't know, he just he doesn't seem to be the one that gets the credit from that playoff team. But bearing in mind, he was the sort of when Steve Sedgley went, he was like the make weight in the deal. That was an incredible piece of business from George Burley, that really. Do you remember the old Green and newspaper? Of course you do. Yeah. Mark Peterson used to do a column with me in there. And um, and I always remember we talked about that playoff because the playoff season, actually. And mm. I asked him about the playoff in 2000 and the final, you know, about six months or a few months. I just said, how much did you enjoy? You know, did you enjoy the, you know, enjoy the final? And I remember him hated it. He said, I hated that final at Wembley. Not literally hate. He said, I was felt so sick from the start to the end, because I was so nervous. It was so hot. It was so sultry. I, mean, well, I don't know if you were there at Wembley, but it was. Yeah. you were there. It was a hot day, wasn't it? It was really hot and sultry. And he said he came off the pitch with a stonking headache. All he wanted to do, he was so happy, obviously, to yeah. He said, I can't look back on that day, sort of thing. Oh, great. I felt so ill, sort of sick from the start. Um, but you're right. Great player. Yeah, and like I said, the playoff one, I remember one of my friend's brothers was in the under-15s at the time, and they were due to play... Barnsley on the pitch in the morning of the game, but the weather had been so bad leading up to it that they cancelled the game. So the pitch, whilst you watch the pitches back in its glorious sunshine, that must have been a real heavy, boggy pitch as well to play on as well. So I don't blame him, but I'm sure knowing knowing Vino from when you've sort of seen him out, he'd, I'm sure he'd have had a few beers to celebrate, even with his headache after the game. I think you're right. I probably he probably got got he said got his head down and soon got it back up again and uh, yeah enjoyed himself. But uh, yeah, very nice, great lad, great lad, Mark. Good choice. I think the first person choose Mark Venus, um, Joe. I'll give you that. I think that's a very good choice as well. So spot on. Off you go with the, with the rest of his defenders. Yeah. So on the on the right hand side, I think Luke Wolfenden on there as well, or in the centre can have Luke Wolfenden again. Just a player that I've just really enjoyed watching, and I think when he first broke into the team, he was he was brilliant and could play and he just seemed to have such a tough time and it seemed unnecessary under Paul Cook when you were watching sort of Toto Enciala play ahead of him and for me I don't know just another academy boy another Ipswich boy and just a player that I like watching a, a footballer there somebody who you know is comfortable on the ball I don't like I say I know there is room in the game for sort of head it and kick it defenders but I can't say they really get my juices flowing like when you see a player and he can take the ball like the run at Rotherham at the back end of last season where he went the whole way up the pitch. And he's just, I think he's just a Rolls Royce of a defender and he's just going to continue to grow. He's already got a hundred games under his belt and you sort of want, he's the sort of player that you just really hope the club can keep up with his ambitions and can be a long-standing player of the club and go from there. There's lots about cultured centre-halves. I mean, if you're going back in the time and you're talking players, you know, um, you know, you go out to someone, even take even just someone like John Stones now, for instance. You know, just putting just putting a foot on the ball. Uh, you, you, Alan Hansen back in Liverpool. If you want a YouTube Alan Hansen or someone, someone who just who just used to come out stroke with the ball. You know, dribbling. He could still header and kick if he had to, but happy to come with the ball. France Beckham Bar back in Germany. I'm going back a long time. But if you have got John Stones up now, and Luke Wolfenden has those little sort of quirks, doesn't he? And that that type of play. Yeah, he's just a. He's just a good pass to the ball, a good footballer, and he can drop his shoulder, beat a man. And it's similar to like when we had Adam Webster here as well. He just had that had that ability on the ball, but maybe wasn't here for long enough and didn't do enough for Ripswich to justify inclusion. But it's just the sort of player I like watching at the back. I think I think defenders, we 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 often sort of think sort of like you say, hoof it and kick it and thump in. And those days not they haven't gone, but I mean that it's in a sort of a good tackle is a good tackle. But you, you want to see defenders playing the game as well, don't you? Yep. Definitely, especially in this, in a George Burley side, every every defender had to get. You see who we had there: John McGreal, Mark Venus. They were both really good footballers, and mm. like I say, Luke Wolfenden could have played in that George Burley side, which mm. is probably a great compliment. Absolutely, a very big compliment and a good compliment. So, Vino and Wolfie, 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 what I call him, Wolfie. I said his name, Warren. I said, what I call him, Wolfie. So, I don't know. You're thinking of Ty Wolfenden, the Speedway ride. I don't know what I'm thinking of. Anyway, Wolfie's in. Anyway, who else? Um, Joe. Yeah, so the third centre-back is Luke Chambers. So another Luke back there and players played, what, best part of 400 games for the club. And just when you look at the, probably the last 10 years, the one good season, the one enjoyable season was that 2014-15 season where we got sort of so close. And the big memory for me of that season is the big London away days, Brentford away, Fulham away, Millwall away, Watford away, Charlton away, where we went there and we got wins at all of them and the big expectant away crowd, 4,000, 5,000 at a time. 
with a big fist pump coming at the end of the game and yeah. just I don't know they're sort of the memories that you sort of will last forever as a fan aren't they and especially that sort of that Charlton away day where you scored right and Watford right at the very very end mm-hmm. and I say I remember speaking to friends of other clubs me and another Ipswich sport mate saying oh yeah the f- fist pumps at the end of the game and he's like I don't really get it what what is exciting about a player coming over and giving you a fist bump at the end of the game? It's like, well, when you've got 4,000 people there waiting for it, it did just become a massive thing. And I say, sadly, his time at the club didn't end with the sort of success it deserved, but sort of a great guy, sort of someone I see socially out and about now as well. But just, I don't know, just that sort of captain we needed at the time and the real sort of embodiment of that Mick McCarthy team when it was at its best. Mm, I totally agree. I think Luke Chambers, you know, sometimes you're right. I never felt he really he, did. He get all the sort of adulation he deserved. I, I sometimes wonder if he did, to be honest, because he was a solid, a solid, very solid. How many, you know, top ten appearance holders in the top ten? You know, and look at the people he's up there with. You know, look at the players around him in that top ten. And you're right, the fist pump thing. Once he started to do it, he sort of you have to keep it going type thing, don't you? Really? But fair play to him because he often did and. And why not? That finishes. There's nothing better, is there? You've beat the team two or three now and the captain comes over to do. And I know somebody thinks a bit cheesy, but I don't think yeah. it is at all. That's exactly what you should be doing with fans. Um, that's what they come for. They have a damn good day out. Yeah. And if you can't celebrate the wins, especially the big no. ones on the road, then what's the point of being a fan if you're going to sit there and not celebrate like that? Yeah, decent captain, decent captain, actually. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think he, you know, held together a lot of things there. And uh, I remember the time, I think, was it the time he was, was going to leave or something? His contract was a bit all over the place. Don't remember the game, but he actually ended up playing that night or something. And his contract yeah. only saw that afternoon. It's like, oh, well, he's all over. And he's still out. He's still one of the best players on the pitch. Yeah, and just that durability as well. Like, there's been other players in history, people that just don't miss a game. And mm, it's, very, yeah. it's very easy to have a little knock and you need a rest there but certain players will just play and he was one of those that you knew he'd be on the team sheet every single game he'd be fit and available whether he was fit enough to play sometimes probably not but he would always go out there and give it his all mm, absolutely deserve deserve plenty of respect luke chambers no doubt about it we should look back at him with with fondness and, and say what, what what a fine player and servant he was for Ipswich town football club um, yeah. yeah, good. So, look, well, that's, a, that's a fairly, that's a decent little back. Is, are you going with three at the back? You, you, yeah, the you back confused, three, yeah. You confused me at the start. You see, you started three and then you went four. Like, so, what's happening? What's happening, Jerry? Yeah, back three. And so, two wing backs from here now. Ah. So, the right-hand side, this was a tough choice between Mickey Stockwell and Fabian Wilness. But I have mm. actually gone down the Mickey Stockwell route. He's, he's just edged it for me. And I think it's because... He was sort of in the team in those very first few games I went to in part of that promotion season. It's amazing to think sort of someone who was part of that team there was then still part of the squad in 2000 when we went up to the Premier League again. And again, I think he's, was he third or fourth on the all-time appearance list? And a player that's almost forgotten about in in that respect, that he is is one of the greats of our clubs and he was able to play all the way through, played sort of every position on the pitch. I remember him being an emergency striker in our Premier League years. Again, a player that just is was everywhere, would give everything, would would never let you down and maybe not the most talented player. But then he was a player that came into a sort of Bobby Robson run club at the time and played under every different manager, never let any never let any of them down. Again, another player that came through the academy, a player that or a man that is still part of the academy, part of the football club, still there and just a just a great guy, great player, and real underrated player in his history. I think. I think it's a good shout, Jay. See, often players who have what we call well versatility players. You know, I often think they do get forgotten because you think of you think of Marcus Stewart, striker. You think of Paul Mariner, striker. You think of Terry Butcher, defender. These players play their one, and they're outstanding. Mickey Stockwell would quality. I mean, he was he was a really good wing back, actually. You're right. I mean, he was, but he as you say, he played up front. He probably he played midfield, he played all over the place. And and sometimes players like him do get sort of overlooked a bit. And and yet, again, look at that top 10 list of appearances. He's right up there with Mick Mills and, and Johnny Walk and stuff like that. Fantastic. Uh, good shout. And then left wing back. So there's a lot of choice on this one, but I've actually gone for Jamie Clapham here as well. I think he's a uh, another underrated player in our history at sort of over 250 games for the club and I think especially when you watch us in that in that Premier League season where we were so good under George Burley where we came fifth he was so key to that because sort of George was so flexible with formations and he was the sort of key player and it's not just across the season in certain games he'd be playing left back left midfield left wing back centre midfield and he was a player that just everything pivoted around just to to make us play I remember away at Everton where we won 3-0 and he was just 
quietly brilliant in just us in just us moving moving them around and just knocking them off their spot whenever we wanted to do and sort of chipped in with a decent number of goals, including that massive penalty against Bolton at home in the playoffs when things were looking like just starting to turn the tide to us. Player just signed for nothing really from Tottenham, wasn't it? Just a mm. nominal fee and sort of, again, sort of 250 games for the club and quality in every one of those, but just a sort of understated quality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that Everton game was quite significant, wasn't it? Because uh, it was sort of our big first away day victory, wasn't it, back in the Premier League at that time. We, you know, to go to Everton and win 3 0, as you said, you mentioned that Clapham so instrumental. Big game, that for Ipswich. Mm. Big game. Yep. And then, sort of, so that's the back five, sort of, there. The well, right, well, stop, right, go, go before, don't, don't, don't look, milk, milk this, milk this. Do not, do not go too fast because people are sitting here going, What's he going to do? You let him just, you let him just hold fire a second. We'll just go through that back five again. Oh, what, what, uh, yeah, you, but you start, just give us where we're up to, Joe. Okay, so we've got Richard Wright in goal. We've got our sort of the three centre backs of Luke Chambers, Luke Wolfenden, and Mark Venus. And then Mickey Stockwell on the right and Jamie Clapham on the left. Like it, you, you almost went for Fab as well, did you? Yeah, like you say, you yeah. Fab in that wing, but and there's other players like Herman Ryderson. Yeah. Aaron Creswell was a really good player, yeah. and then Tariko. I know he'll be a popular choice with people, mm. but yeah, you can have, you can have you can have up to eleven subs if you like, if you wish, or, or you can do what <laughs> Ross Halls did and had none. But I mean, you, we, you know, we're very very flexible on this feature. We're, we're determined not to get it too sort of stuck with with um. Yeah, we've got Rob Chandler coming out in a few weeks' time. He has seven strikers, so there you go. But it's nice to see you've got you've got an, a, a nice fixed formation. We come on, so there's your five. So you're moving into midfield now. Then uh, Joe, a little bit. Of, well, I wonder what we've got. We've got a bit of creativity. We've got a bit of bit of sort of tough tackling going on. Who's the first one? First one is another superb captain Matty Holland Mr Reliable just a brilliant a brilliant another brilliant signing by George Burley and just the heartbeat of that team through sort of four or five years mm. from when he when he came in he just fitted like a glove straight away I think started in the back three really didn't he and then moved forward into midfield never I think he missed one single game the whole time he was at the yes. club when he was on international duty an unbelievable record again a player that will just put their body out there and will play maybe sometimes when they shouldn't and just a very sort of different type of captain to like a Sam Morsey who we've got currently or a Luke Chambers, just the ultimate club man, wasn't he? And mm. and a, a brilliant footballer. Again, a player who went on to represent us at, a, at an actual World Cup while he was playing for a score, scoring a goal at a World yeah. Cup while an Ipswich Town player, which is a pretty rare feat. And I like to say just the absolute Mr. Ipswich back involved at the club in the community trust again now. And just, I don't know, he sort of is Mr. Ipswich, it seems, doesn't it? And of course, he used to go around and clap after every game. I, mean, I, yeah. I always used to think. <laughs> and to be fair, Matt, because I got to know Matt quite well, and still, still do know Matt quite well. You know, and I, I used to think so. so even when he lost, he would still go. And I thought, oh, Matt, you're so brave. You know, I don't. I remember talking to Kieran Dyer about it once when he was doing his comedy. He said, I don't know why how Matt does it sometimes. I don't think when I was at Newcastle, I'd never have dared go around clapping the fans. <laughs> like we lost three 0 to Middlesbrough or something. But Matt just, he's just such a top guy, and that was his way. And and I liked it. Yeah, no, like you say, it's just the mark of the man, isn't it, that he would yeah. go and pay his respects to the fans, win, lose or draw. Like I say, yeah, he was the captain and he's the, the, I know we won the sort of league in 92, but I was sort of six at the time. But the captain that I've seen us lift a trophy at Wembley, lead us up yeah. those stairs and lift that trophy, which is a memory. Never forget there. And, and I'm sure the older generation feel the same back. Mick Mills as well, seeing yeah, him do the same. But when you see Matt Holland up there and the emotion and the passion running through for somebody who's normally quite understated, seeing him up there, it was, yeah, just sort of goosebumps moment to think about, isn't it? Where, where were you at Wembley that day? Where roughly were you standing? I was, you... Yeah, so I was sort of level with the sort of the touchline effectively, but on okay. the side of the trophy lift. Yep. So, yeah, the touchline where they where we scored and they scored, where Richard Wright gave away a penalty right in front of me there, but sort of up in that, in the sort of top tier, but in the middle of the top tier, but Wow. It was, what yeah, what a day that was. I mean, it's interesting because you've chosen Luke Chambers, you've chosen Matty Holland. That's rather interesting. How many games between them could they have played consecutively and not missed a game? I mean, I don't yeah. know, it's something like six, seven hundred, and they only yeah. missed one or two between <laughs> them or something. Uh, bizarre. Great, great. But great shout, Joe. Um, Matt Holland in there alongside. Who does she say is in the middle of the buffer content? Yeah, so the um, next one there, another Ipswich boy and just uh, probably the best player to come out of the academy in. I've I've ever seen in Kieran Dyer, just uh, 
well, just an absolute class act. He came through, sort of playing right back, centre midfield. And I think it was just his him being released into the centre midfield and playing with Matt Holland in there just totally changed us as a team. And mm. you could tell he was destined for the very top from probably the first or second time you saw him play. He just had everything, just run and run and run. Quality on the ball, could tackle, could pass, couldn't really shoot maybe. That would probably be the one thing that held him back a little bit. But just uh, just a class player and like I say the best probably the best Ipswich player I've seen he was good I mean yeah, he was absolutely quality I've got a lot of time for Kieran can hit Kieran die and of course as you say I mean he came into he came to say he scored a great goal at Stop, Stockport I believe I'm sure he scored a goal at Stockport he did something at Stockport because Dave Allard I was talking to Dave Allard to our reporter at the time he said this boy Kieran Dari said you should see what he'd done at like, I wasn't there but he was saying you should do what he's done at Stockport he's, he was running rings around this team and yeah, a fantastic, fantastic young player, of course, who missed out on Wembley because obviously he went yeah. to Newcastle. He's gutted, poor chap. Yeah, well, he was, I'd say, I, I remember seeing the pictures of him there on the TV in his England tracksuit there looking crumpy as anything, which <laughs> I, I think he was just, well, I saw in Andy Warren's brilliant documentary about yeah. it all. He just was desperate to have been there for Ipswich. And again, somebody who's come back, he's worked at the club for years, he's mm. still a big part of the community, clearly loves the club. And mm. I say, it just, just a shame that again we weren't able to go up, but we wouldn't have been able to keep him for very long once we had gone up because he was destined to go on to bigger things. Just a shame his body let him down in some ways, or he would have been even sort of a top top player as opposed to just a Champions League player who played at the very top of the Premier League. I think he'd have been even more than that, sort of your Barcelona's and Man United's at the time yeah, would have been well that's done, the yeah. sort of level he was at. And it's back at the time as well when we had sort of Richard Wright, Kieran Dyer, and James Scowcroft all in yeah. the England under-21s team and they, they were a really good side. And when you look at the players that they were playing alongside and playing ahead of, we were really going places at that time and we did we did mm. go places. And mm. I think a lot of credit for that goes to George Burley for yeah. bringing, these, bringing these players through, trusting them, yeah. not just dipping them in, dipping their toe in for one game here and there. It was like, right, you're in the team, go and have your mm. 10, 15 games and show me what you can do. And it didn't work with everyone. There was players, a lot of players fell by the wayside. But when you look at... Kieran Dyer, James Scowcroft, Richard Wright, Richard Naylor. It was just some brilliant players that came through and were trusted by Burley to do that. And of course, Kieran's £6 million move to Newcastle and who, look who it paid for to come into the squad to to help town get up that next season. I mean, that was priceless. Yep. Yeah, like I say, Marcus Stewart, you would, we'd never been able to do a deal like that without... Mm without the money that we had from Kieran Dyer. And it was a move that's worked out for all parties, but it mm. was still such a shame to see him go, especially off the back of that playoff defeat where he scored a couple yeah. of goals in it. And I don't know, we we should have, we should have won that tie and we mm. didn't. And it just felt like we'd never, we'd never get through if we carried on like that. But ultimately it all worked out for the best for everybody there. Excellent. Well, Kieran Dyer's in, very skillful player, 33 England caps in the end. So uh, good, good stuff from him. So, uh, so, right. So, so is that Holland and Dyer in, your, in the middle? And, yeah. And, and well, I, well I'm, I'm, I've lost track already. I've lost track. Look, I'm Joe, I lose track every week. I remember your five at the back. So now, have we got another one in the middle here, or what? what, what yeah, what, the, what I'm still. I'm, I'm, it's going down to the why. I'm still undecided about who to My play goodness. in this next position My, there. Oh, I've got it written time. down, but I don't know whether I change it there. But I'll stick with what I've got written down because I think it will be a sort of a surprising choice. But it's actually Teddy Bishop to go in there in front of the midfield three. I just. Again, just a player like Luke Wolfenden Moore, academy player, and just someone I just enjoyed watching, especially in that Mick McCarthy team, someone who would get on the ball, would drive with it, would beat people, was tough to tackle. And like I say, I think it, for him, it, it didn't really work for him after that season for us, but he still went on to play over 100 games for us. He he, he was good under at the start of the season under Paul Lambert, and just his, he just couldn't get himself fit, could he? And like I say, I think he's probably the... The player in here that's probably had the or had a career that isn't sort of anything to write home about yet, but I just think he's just had so much talent. And mm. like I say, sometimes there's just a player you enjoy, enjoy watching. And that that was him for me, just a player that when you saw him get on the ball, he made things happen. But the player I was debating with was David McGoldrick for similar reasons mm. here. Another player that just once you those two players once they got on the ball just made things happen, yeah. made things happen between them. But I'll, I'll stick with Teddy in that one. Exactly. Well, so it's Teddy Bishop instead of David. Okay, Teddy Bishop, not David McGoldrick. So yeah, Teddy Bishop. 
good, great young player, Bishop. I mean, a great football. I mean, he could play the game, couldn't he? I mean, he's again, yeah, he's have to take some hefty tackles and stuff, and because that's just the nature of, of football, isn't it? But I mean, you're right. What a you, he's one of those players you would desperate for to do well with Ipswich Town, where you just have nothing more than to go away from Port Road or wait and just say. Teddy ran that game today. Teddy ran that game. And there were times he did, but just not enough times, was there? And that's the sad thing. No, no, he, he just couldn't. He's just body just let him down. Yeah. And I think Mick tried a lot to get him fit. He sort of reinvented as a right-sided midfielder to go from there. And he looks he looks fit, but I, I, whether you just mentally struggle once you've had all those injuries to yeah. really put it together. And he was just kicked from pillar to post, especially yeah. once we got into League One. Some of the... So I remember the game... He he had a really good run of games, and then this was in the lockdown period, and just an awful tackle goes on in on him. I think it was against Gillingham at home, maybe, and just a, rakes down his back of his legs. Mm. Player doesn't. I might even get he might get a yellow card, but certainly didn't get a red card. And mm. Bishop tries to carry on till half time, then he goes ten minutes later, he goes off injured. Then you don't see him again for a few months. It's like no. that's not the fault of. It's not you've pulled a muscle because you haven't warmed up properly. It's somebody's just gone out there to hurt you. They've gone there mm. with no intention of winning the ball and your season's almost over from there. And just when you're getting into a run, he scored four or five goals in sort of 10 or so games at the start of the season. It looked like he could really be something. And that was sort of the beginning of the end, I think, for that season really for us. Mm. And there's no fun for players being injured. I know there's this sort of this strange or sort of quirky things that some fans have that players, oh, well, they're getting paid anyway. There's no fun in just laying on a on, on, on a treatment table day in, day out, but bored to death while everyone else is training in the sunshine, whatever, and you're just like, that isn't fun. They want to play. Um, yeah. yeah. So well, you've, mentioned two players, you've mentioned two players, Teddy and Kieran, who are both uh, those similar situations. Yeah. And like I say, both, both through the academy, like I say, that it's another... Sort of, I think Teddy joined the club about age eight. Something yeah. comes yeah. all the way through. I think that was the time I'd really start watching sort of the under 18s and the 23s more. And he'd been injured a lot through his under 18 season. And mm. I remember just going to like one game at the end of the season. I was like, oh God, who's this kid? I've not actually seen him yet because I do all the football manager research as well. So I have to sort of keep an eye on the youngsters. So he's not someone I'd particularly rated. And all of a sudden I saw one game. So, God, he looks good. And, yeah. and then next season he's sort of gone from sort of not even playing for the under-18s to sort of making his debut for the first team in September and looking absolutely incredible. And it's like, if that rise could have continued, he, he was a player that should have played higher up than he has done, but just hasn't worked out. And I don't know, it's one that you're sort of sad to see leave last year, but I think it was probably, I think it would have been difficult to keep hold of him. But a lot of players who have left recently, you just think, oh, I wonder what would have happened if Kieran McKenna could have got hold of yeah. them. Absolutely, you're not wrong there, Joe. I think a lot of people think like that. That's that's a very, very good point. Well, here we are. Well, I hope you're enjoying this. This favourite uh, Ipswich Town eleven with Joe Fairs. I'm sitting here, as I said, if you um if you watch this in a couple of weeks' time, weeks so time. So if you remember, it was the day of uh, the day of the enormous heat on the Friday um that uh, we're recording this. So we're all sweating and horrible and everything else. But we're thoroughly enjoying. I'm thoroughly enjoying listening to Joe's team. It's a, a very there's a lot of cultured players in this team. He's got a lot of a lot of class. He, he knows a footballer. This this just young Joe. And so um, I'm, I must confess, I've that's it's a nice team. I'm here. And here and we're, and we're and we're up to the well we're getting forward to the uh or towards the the attacking end now joe mm. yeah so two up front for me and the first one is darren bent's again just a he's, he's one i sort of couldn't decide between bent mcgoldrick for this role or maybe even chris kawami was a player from my very early days i enjoyed watching but i just think darren bent just you look back at his record and it's incredible really at ipswich i think he um i was chatting to sort of a friend who does a lot of stats on Ipswich and I noticed on Twitter someone said oh like Nottingham Forest goals before their 21st birthday and somebody had scored like 20 goals and I said I said to him I said who do you reckon's got the most for Ipswich for their 21st birthday um, and this is in the history of the club when we looked at it and Darren Bentley scored 50 goals for Ipswich before he turned 21 oh. and that's sort of enough to get you almost in the top 20 all-time goal scorers for Ipswich 50 goals and um and that's more, and it's about 25, 30 more than anyone else in the history of the club. You're sort of Alan Brazil's who broke through, yeah. yeah anyone, yeah, 50 goals before he turned 21. And um, just, a, just a player that came in and from the first sort of first time he came in the team, just looked like he had goals in him and scored all different types of goals, um, could, could run, could break in behind, was probably his biggest strength with the timing of his run, the, the way he ran, the up in the air he sort of got stronger as it went on and when you just think of that sort of Bent and Coochie as that partnership they had there the sort of total opposites to each other and Coochie was just an absolute battering ram up there but chipped in with a huge amount of goals and did all of Darren Bent's sort of 
dirty work for him. And Darren Bent just had that career. And I say he had, a, again, a player with a lot of interest from players up from teams at, up the f- football pyramid. But I think he made a really good decision when he left to go to Charlton rather than to go yeah. straight to a big club. And again, had a fantastic career, England caps. And I've probably, after Kieran Dyer, probably the second most successful player to come out of the academy in yeah. in the time we've had here. And him and, like I said, Darren Ambrose as well, those two coming through were superb. Just a shame we lost Ambrose so quickly because of the administration, because those two in that team, sort of after we got relegated under Joe Royal, were just yeah. a different level. They sort of, I remember, I just, like I said, I remember seeing sort of on Darren Ambrose, his debut away at Arsenal, a couple of games left when we were getting relegated. And just that first game of the season when you sort of saw the team line up and Darren Ambrose is starting, Darren Bent is starting. It's like, oh, here we go. These are George Burley's next yeah. two off the rank just to move through. And yeah, they were just, had that brilliant season in the Reserve League. I remember watching them in that and the FA Youth Cup. And it's just every level he went to, it didn't seem to phase him. He just went up and scored and scored and scored. And mm. whoever he's played for in his whole career, he's always scored. Absolutely. Once a goal scorer, always a goal scorer. Now, I love that stat of 50 goals before he's 21. That's a brilliant, that's a tremendous stat. That is a, a joke. Well, done. We, I like an odd stat here or there. It's very nice. I'm glad you've thrown that in because, um, you know, it's very fascinating. that's a brilliant one. That is crikey. Um, so Bentley's up front then and um, alongside who? I wouldn't say it's a natural pairing up front, but oh. this is probably my favourite Ipswich player of all time. This David Johnson, the, the <laughs> second, I guess he is for the older generation with original, but just, I just remember him signing from Berry and okay. straight into the team, goal after goal after goal. And he was just a player, again, I just love watching that huge spring, hammer of a left foot, would score goals off either foot. Just, I don't know, he just consistently scored goals for us the whole time he was here. And I just, I don't know, it just didn't quite work out for him in the Premier League. But when you look back at the, those early games and it's, he had a sort of Brilliant save to nine from Bartes, hit the post, one disallowed for offside. And and then Marcus Stewart came in and scored and then didn't stop scoring and he got the nod. But I think it could have been very, very different had one of those early chances gone in for Johnson. Because as good as Marcus Stewart was, and he was a player I love watching. And mm. I think David Johnson had it in him to score 18 goals in the Premier League if, if he'd have taken some of those early chances. Maybe not the type of goals that Marcus Stewart scored, but the way we were functioning as a team and the way we played, I think DJ would have been class in that team and mm. just a real sort of loss and you see his son doing so well now yeah. it's just that would be sort of my dream signing but <laughs> the, as he keeps getting better and better it just gets further and further away from us I don't really see I don't see any way that we can now attract him here sadly because that would be a, a great story He's like a, it was David Johnson. Was like a little. I mean, I actually slightly remember the first one, but not very well. But the second, but David Johnson, you're, he was like a jack in the box, wasn't he? he uh, to me, as a striker, he was all very big. I mean, what was he five seven five? Not very tall, was he? But he had a great leap, and he just used to sort of appear in the box, and he's very, he's very quick. Turn, twist, thump. Everything happened very quickly with David Johnson. Um, that's why I liked about him. You just say he was a natural goal scorer. And him and Scoey were a great partnership, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, Scoey, again, would win the headers. And like you say, it, it, you only needed a quarter of a chance for Johnson. Yes. He'd, be, he'd be having a shot at goal. And some yeah. strikers like to pass and try and create things where some just like, as soon as there's a sniff of goal, they, they want to hammer the ball as hard as they can at it and hope they score. And fortunately for Johnson, more, more often than not, he did. And he was just such... It was a season, was it under Burley, where we'd started really poorly and we were down in the relegation zone mm-hmm. almost. And then we signed Johnson and from that point on, we'd... I think we won like 25 out of 30 games or something ridiculous like that. And he was just the key part of that because we just didn't have anyone to put the ball in the net as good as Scowcroft was, as good as Naylor was, as good as Alex Matthew probably at the time was. Mm. They just weren't going to score the goals that we needed to get through. And I think you're right because we always think of Burley's team and the Premier League getting there and Marcus Stewart, Marcus Stewart, Marcus Stewart and rightly so. But to get to that point, we needed, you know, David Johnson did kickstart a lot of that. Those play where the playoffs suddenly became really reality for us. We 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 just got better, and we suddenly had this goal score. And so suddenly we really were in touching distance, weren't we? Yeah, I think he's almost become a bit of a not a forgotten man in it, but because no. of like I say, because Marcus Stewart came in and he did, despite not scoring until the end of the season, he came in and he did score the goals against Bolton, which yeah. effectively kept us in the tie, and then scored at Wembley, and then scored all the goals in the Premier League. It's yeah. almost like sort of Johnson's role in getting us there is almost a yeah. little bit forgotten about because they didn't really work as a partnership, did they? And mm-hmm. we were, we always needed a Scoey alongside them to, to get the best out of them. But 
he was just, I say, maybe it's just the age I was. He probably Simon was about 11 or 12. And mm. goal scorers take the headlines, don't they? They are the ones you want to be. They're the ones when you're out in the playground, smashing the ball at the goal, you're, you're imagining that you are them rather than a sort of cultured centre-half or a right wing-back who gets up and down. You, you want to be the striker. And he was the Ipswich striker for me. DJ calls the tune. I remember that a few times on the old uh, East Anglia Day Times. Star headings. Joe, do you like that one? DJ calls the tune. Yes, it's fairly standard, but there you go. But yes, he did. He did. He did. He scored lots of goals. Joe, you've just given us your 11. Now, right, before we have, we've got, I'm sure you have some subs and a manager, but go on then, Joe, tell us that 11 again. Okay, so in goal, it's Richard Wright. Back three of Luke Wolfenden, Luke Chambers and Mark Venus. Right wing back, Mickey Stockwell. Left wing back, Jamie Clapham. A midfield three of Matty Holland, Kieran Dyer and Teddy Bishop. And then up front, David Johnson and Darren Bent. So a heavily academy-focused team there. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six players from the academy. So it's it's, it's good for the town and the, the, the community as well as the football club. I, I like the team. I, I said, there's some really good footballers there. I like, I like the fact there's just some really... Nice footballers there, some quality footballers there. Nice one, nice one, Joe. Right. So now, look, you are allowed some subs. So have you have you thought about any subbing? Poor old Dave. Now, I'm not being funny to David McGoldrick, but really, if he's not in your <laughs> subs bench, then I want to know what's going on because you've mentioned him ten times and not in your side. Yes, I've put eight subs because. <laughs> they, they... Yeah, hang on, Joe. When I, when I said eleven, <laughs> I was slightly joking. I mean, but you've gone for eight anyway. That's fine. Yeah, well, I, I sort of went for seven, but then I just thought, well, I might have another. But that was Craig <laughs> Craig Forrest. John McGreal, Fabian Wilness, Jim Jilton. I'll, I'll drop one there, okay? David McGoldrick, Chris Kawamia, and then I think as an ultimate super sub, you've got to have Martin Royster on there. Oh, of course you have. You've got to have Martin Royster on there as the bench just yeah. to come off and just slide that ball in in the 90th minute at Wembley or something. Yeah, great. Hey, it's a good, that's a good, that's a good, uh, a good bench there. Jim Jilton, great player, wasn't he, Jim? Yeah, superb. And just the memories of that night, that Bolton yeah. home playoff game, just that alone had him very close to just being mm. in there. And maybe, yeah, maybe he should have been in there ahead of some yeah. of the others. But I, I just think sort of he was so good when we first signed him, but towards the end of his time, he sort of maybe just went off for one season too many. And mm. I, But I, I really enjoyed his first season as a manager, but it just seemed to go wrong once we got the investment in from mm. Marcus Evans. He's, I think he became a bit confused with what he was trying to achieve and we we went backwards really with all that money which wasn't wasn't to be but yeah I just love the way again just a footballer somebody that you could give him the ball in a phone box with four other people in there yeah. he'd, he'd still want it and if you didn't give it to him in there he'd have a go at you for it and I, it just you need players like that sometimes just to yeah. drive up the standards to yeah, around you and I think if you hear if you listen to any of the players from that era talk they said as soon as he was there training just went up that notch because there was no room for low standards with Jim and Jill around Mm. I always say people talk about Jim and Jordan. If they talk about him as a manager. I say, yeah, okay, he's, he, he did well for us for a while, and then okay, it did all all fall apart rather. But don't ever forget what Jim and Jordan did for our club as a player. He was inspirational. He was absolute inspiration to a lot of them young players. And of course, played you know got at Wembley two thousand. You know, he's mm. in the Premier League inspirational player. Probably the greatest night at Portman Road in yeah. Well, in the time I've been going in thirty years mm. was that night against Bolton where we beat them in the playoffs and. Mm. That was all down to Jim and Jilton, really, wasn't it? Brilliant. Right. OK, well, look, that's the team. That's your subs. Now, Joe, we need a manager. Now, you're going back to when? Who was your first Who was your first manager you remember? Then? Was it John? Was it John, John Lyle? Lyle, yeah. So who have no. you gone for then, uh, Joe? I don't think it's going to be much of a surprise to anyone, but it'll be George Burley. Um, just uh, sort of Mr. Ipswich as a player, Mr. Ipswich as a manager, sort of. 500 games to the club as a player, what, 300 or so as a manager, and just plays football the way I like to see it played. It is, you want players who can pass, every player is a minimum requirement. You've got to be technically good. Yeah. And I think that's what I like, and that's what I've not enjoyed maybe so much in recent years, where mm. being able to run and tackle has been enough, where no, you've, you've got, first things first, you've got to be able to play the football. You've got to be able to pass the ball. You've got to be able to control the ball, and you've got to try and work the ball. And it's, I don't know. I I think you almost take for granted when you're younger, when you're watching it. I'm sure maybe you did the same with Bobby Robson in charge. You mm. just assume it's always going to be this good. And mm. whilst we got close, I never, I, I don't know, just under Burley, it always just felt like we were going in the right direction. Yeah. The sign-ins were always so good. Every, every sign-in made a difference to the team. And it all just felt like it's sort of, I know it's not Bobby Robson's here really signed 13 players in mm. 13 years or whatever it is, but it's not like now where there's 19 players signed in the summer, 
10 in, 10 out, 8 in. It always just felt like we were just slowly adding what he needed. We were able to retain our best players and unless they got too good for us like Kieran Dyer did and or Bobby Petter maybe we struggled. But it always just felt everything he did was part of the plan to get us where we needed to get to and just that that promotion season and then that first season back in the Premier League was... Like I said, that, that would probably be the pinnacle of my support in life if I live for another 50 years, sadly, but... I think the thing is, when you talk about Ipswich Town, we talk about history and probably you know, young men like yourself. You know, you've heard, heard people like myself talk about Bobby Robson and and even further back where I, I wasn't, I didn't watch Sir Alf Ramsey T stuff. But but that Bobby Robson in particular was so was so so many great seasons. But that two thousand season, two thousand two thousand one season, even for someone like me who's who'd seen at UEFA Cup, that was a terrific season. I mean, finishing fifth. I mean. All the matches. I mean, the Wembley. We'd had Wembley before, lead, you know, the season before, which was which was a wonderful day. But then we had this season with Burley, didn't we? And we were going every. Did you travel a lot that season? Uh, Not Joe? as much as I'd like to. I was still in no. sick form, so I was still playing like yeah. sport a lot over the yeah. weekend. So it was really most of the home games and just a couple of the away ones. But what a see, I mean, we were just, I mean, I remember working, I was working on the green those year, and we were beating Man City three two away or Liverpool, and we were, and it was just. Wonderful, wasn't it, to be an Ipswich Town fan? I mean, when we're talking recent past, you see, we don't always have to hark back to 78 and 81. You know, we can look at this 2001 and 2001, see, for people like myself who, like I say, saw all those other things. And that was terrific. And, and I think it was done the right way as well, wasn't mm-hmm. it, in that the, the, the way we played football, we not sort of like, oh, yeah, everyone's second team, but similar, similar to that where people want you to do well. And you see teams go up to the Premier League now and, I don't know, it's just something about a team that plays nice football and mm. tries to play football the right way. And I know not everyone likes that. Some people like long ball football, getting it up there, trying to compete, saying this is what we need to do to compete. But you want to, you want to play the best football. And the best football for mm. me has always been passing football. And that's what we did under Burley. We we weren't afraid to mix it up. We would go long when we needed to. You had mm. your James Scowcrofts and Richard Naders up there that would win the battles up front. But it was always, it's never about sort of long ball or, short passing it was just about playing the right ball and I always felt we did that under Burley and it's it just feels like the thread of the club ran through like Bobby Robson into George Burley and yeah. carried from there we just now need to find somebody to carry on from that sort of same lineage and mm. Kieran McKenna from what I've seen so far does seem the right the right fit he seems to want to play football the right way not sort of not um, sacrifice his beliefs to just in for a short-term gain and continue doing it like I say we'll, we'll see how that plays out in the longer term but I couldn't be happier with who we've got in charge at the moment and it feels like we're going in the right direction because we're going in the direction that seems to have worked for us in the past a young manager who's got their philosophy he's got their principles and wants to move that way mm, absolutely so uh well the season ahead then Joe I mean before we talk about that just take us through that team again just read off them subs again tell us your manager and then we'll have a, a quick couple of seconds on the season ahead Okay, so in goal is Richard Wright. Three centre-backs, Luke Wolfenden, Luke Chambers and Mark Venus. The wing-backs are Mickey Stockwell and Jamie Clapham. Central midfield three of Matt Holland, Teddy Bishop and Kieran Dyer. And then a front two of David Johnson and Darren Bent. With seven subs of um, Craig Forrest, John McGreal, Fabian Wilness, Jim McGilton, Martin Royser, David McGoldrick and Chris Kawamia, managed by George Burley. Fantastic. Fantastic. And Joe, well, look, thanks so much for your time. Let's like I say the season's ahead then. We're ne- it's nearly on top of us. Um, look, the bottom line is our results, you know, we were playing, the football's pretty, but the results at the end of the day, at the end of, well, last last couple of seasons, I, I can't believe it. This is our fourth season in League One. I can't, I yeah. can't believe it. I thought we'd be, we'd have popped out in the first year, but look, how, how do you feel this year though, Joe? I mean, I think there's a big, there's a big good feel factor, isn't there? Yeah, I feel positive about it. I I didn't feel particularly positive last year, and just I just don't think you can have such a change over at a club and expect to perform. It was just it, there was too much change for me. But now we're in a position where I think they go back to pre-season next week. And but when you, yeah, we we still need a probably another striker, a left back, and maybe another mid attacking midfielder. But really, if the season were to be starting tomorrow we could put out a good team for this level, a very, very good team for this level. So it's just a case of just trying to add the sort of finishing touches to it rather than going in where, what was Mark Hatton saying last year, trying to build a plane while it's already in flight. Well, yeah. the, the plane is built and we're in flight here and there's mm. no excuse not to hit the ground running here. Got a full pre-season with Kieran McKenna and the new fitness team there. And I so say we just, 
I'm just really, really looking forward to it. I say I'm sure it'll come back to bite me, but it just feels like this is our time now to really push mm-hmm. on. And I don't see any reason why we won't be in the top three or four of the league, but it'd be nice just to make sure that's the top two rather than the top four. I think you're right. I think top six is absolute minimum this year. We, we, we're expecting, but where do where do you sit, Joe? Whereabouts are you used to? Where do you? Um, I actually sit in the Bobby Robson suite, so I sit there and have John Walk come and give me oh, a pre match pre match hosting, and then sit out on the back of the south stand there. So, oh, lovely, it's quite nice. But Good John Walk had a little bit before my time, but <laughs> I sort of did watch a lot of him. But he would be a player I'm sure would be in everyone else's eleven. Joe, it's been absolutely great to speak to you. I, I hope you've enjoyed it, and we've, we certainly have. It's been lovely, and we're, and we're going to do more of these. We're going to speak. I hope some fans. I mean, if you want to get in touch with me and just say oh, I'd like to do my favourite town, then we'll just get in touch. I mean, why not? It's all good fun. And it's all people's opinions, and that it's lovely to hear people have their stories. Like Joe has just said, as the way these players are some of his favourite players. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it, Joe, and it's been absolutely great to speak to you. Thank you ever so much for your time. There'll be more of these uh, favourite town levels. Don't forget the Kings of Anglia podcast. You can always catch us up and the boys um, doing all their stuff over the over the course of, of the season. Season ahead and, and pre-season and I believe um yeah it's a lot going on obviously on the on the KOA pod so join us on that Joe thank you very much for your time thanks for that Mike it was just a bit agonizing trying to narrow it down to 11 players but hopefully I've done a good job you've done a brilliant job and you got the gold ticket in the end which was a ma- major thing because <laughs> the poor chap was sitting was in a, was in and out two or three times <laughs> thanks Joe cheers from true crime to football, Brexit to Oakville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.